Welcome to the Candid Creative Podcast with Manda and Liz, where we're all about growth, innovation, and keeping it candid. Tune in every week for sharp insights and real talk on the creative business world. Stay ahead of the curve with our mix of expert advice, industry secrets, and inspirational stories. And remember, your next idea is just one episode away. Okay, so let's talk about if Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's relationship is real. Yeah, I think I think it's bogus. Me too. All right, next. <laughs> Good conversation. Moving on. Um, I think that it's just all too convenient and it's all too fairy tale esque and it's all too um and I don't know anything I don't know anything about football, so I can't even say it's tied to anything specific. Like, is there a possibility of him being in the Super Bowl? Do we know? I didn't even know the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs were a college team. <laughs> like, I was really confused about why he was so famous. I was like, the Chiefs? Is that a college team? How does he have all this clout? Why is he representing a pharmaceutical company now? <laughs> Where is the Chiefs? Unit. Where's the Chiefs? I feel like they're Kansas. Oh, my God. How did they even meet? <laughs> I don't know if the Chiefs are Canvas. Canvas. I don't know if the Chiefs are Kansas. Let me look really quick. I'm from Kansas. Mm. They f- sound familiar. <laughs> um, yes, the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. I just, and that just, I honestly think is just another knock against them. Because, I mean, not that he doesn't, I'm sure, go other places besides Kansas. But... How did this come about? And I don't know. If you're a Swifty and you know this, please feel free to head to our website and submit your knowledge on the situation. But um, I just think from what I can tell, Taylor Swift went from being in this very private relationship, which, like I said, from I've watched Miss Americana. I've watched her first documentary. And it sounds to me as though her first... I'm fascinated by Taylor Swift. That's the only reason I'm, I've watched so many things and, and seem to know so much about her life. Without. Fascinated from an outsider's perspective, not fascinated like you're not going to her concerts. No, no. I'm not a fan, actually. I'm just fascinated by her. Um, and I think she's a marketing genius. And I just think she's kind of a genius. And I'm so I'm really fascinated by that side of her. And um, all of that to say, she was in this really private relationship, which to what I saw on her documentary, that was more, I think, his choice than her choice. And then they broke up. And I mean, suddenly a couple months later, she's in this extremely public relationship and she's going to... It's brand new. It's brand new. And she's going to every one of his games and he's going to all of her shows. And everything is about it. And then I was telling you this earlier, I was on Amazon Prime or Netflix or one of them suddenly has a documentary about his brother, which, I mean, for anyone, I'm sure a lot of people know who Travis Kelsey is. I don't even know what his brother's name is. It's like Kevin Kelsey or something like that. But I'm like, who are you? Why do you have a documentary out of nowhere? And what can be... And that shit takes time to document. You don't just come out with a documentary in a month after, you know, it's not like they started dating and they were like, this will be a great idea. Let's bust out this documentary right this second. No, that's been in production for a while. I, and I just think I'm, 
I don't even know who this Kelsey brother is. And maybe he's the more popular of the two. I don't know. It doesn't help that I know nothing about football. I just think it's bogus. <laughs> we can cut out that, the entire explanation. <laughs> I just think it's bogus. <laughs> That's the gist of it, folks. No, I also not don't think the it's context. Yeah, I also don't think it's coincidence that Travis Kelsey is getting paid millions of dollars by Pfizer to advertise pharmaceuticals, right? Yep. As he is blowing up a relation, like not blowing up, a re- but you know, a relationship he's in is new and blowing up with the absolute biggest pop star right now. Hundred percent. It just all feels a little too planned. It's like, yeah, this is making you guys a lot of money. This relationship. Ah. Uh, Absolutely. And I'm curious to see. Like you said, she wouldn't do this unless there was strategy behind it. There's definitely a strategy there. I think there's definitely more more than meets the eye, I would have to say. Um, And it should be a pretty pretty interesting saga to follow, I think. Can we just talk about real quick how crazy it is how much athletes get paid? Oh, I was just saying this to Johnny. Truly, I... it's not that I don't have respect for what they do. I totally... Because you're bringing entertainment to the world and entertainment to the world brings people together. It's like a uniting thing. But um, I think it's absolutely fucking bonkers what they get paid. I think to get paid to sign a $45 million contract to play basketball for five years. Travis's is $57 million for four years. Oh, I just... $57 million? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's Are, crazy. I mean, he's very attractive. What does that have to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I like about him. <laughs> no, the only thing I really know about him. I mean, no, I know some stuff about him. It's really the only thing I like about him is his you face. Know, he used to have a dating show, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. It was like, it's like a big thing. He he was on like a reality dating show. Not like The Bachelor, but something similar. Um, so I guess he's been in the spotlight for a while. But I don't think he should get paid as much as... He's getting, I don't think any of them should get paid as much as they're getting paid. I just think it's fucking crazy. I think... They could get paid half of that, and that would probably be fine. Um, the other thing is they get paid. Sorry, no, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> they get paid for all the sponsorship. So it's not like that's where it ends. They get oh, paid absolutely. for all kinds of things just for being in the eye of the public. Absolutely, yeah. Johnny um, has like a, I mean, he kind of has a whole thought on uh, athletes and how much they get paid. But essentially, and I don't want to botch this. I don't want to speak on his behalf or completely fuck it up. I'm I mean, in the room. It's much more better than I'm about to make it sound. But um, essentially, he thinks they should like they should get an extra tax on their income that just goes back to the city that they play for, so that yeah. it can go back into um, you know like community events and right. whatever else. But he's like, why wow. wouldn't it? Like one percent of their salary would make a huge difference in whatever mm-hmm. community they play for. It's fucking crazy. It's true. It's insane. Yeah. And con- especially considering they're making so much money, they probably aren't paying taxes because they probably just have like... Oh, for sure. ...properties and they're instead of paying more, they're just paying less. <laughs> Which, yep. you know, it's a loophole. I'm not saying I have a problem with that. It's legal. But um, I do think that, yeah, since they're serving their community, that it would make sense for it to go back a little bit. Yeah. I just, you know, just okay. 2%. 2% of a million... Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, just a mil- just a million. I mean, I don't see the problem. Um, yeah, and with that, actually, 
this is what I was going to say earlier. Um, and I think that this is like a really hot topic, especially right now, before we get down to business with some of what we're going to talk about today. Personal brands versus business brands and such. And um, I was going to say how annoying and absolutely wrong I think it is when influencers or athletes or celebrities um, essentially ask people to work for them for free in exchange for exposure. I just think it is the most garbage. (laughs) Go ahead and give us some context, Manda. Okay, so essentially um, I have a PR team and a lot of what they do is just, you know, get my name on in front of people essentially right and um and that includes like reaching out to celebrities and influencers and athletes and such big name people um just to get our name out there and every now and then someone will write back and like an influencer will write back and say oh my gosh i would love to work with main co creative Da, da 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 I basically I don't want to pay for their services though, but I will there's a possibility of this being published somewhere somehow with someone and I have no money I want to spend on my wedding because I expect everyone to do everything for free. I just think it's insane. Like of all of all the people who should be asking for anything for free, you're making forty seven thousand dollars in four years or fifty seven million. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I just... 57. 57 million dollars. $14 million a year. And I'm not... I don't... I'm not saying Travis Kelsey is one of these people, but um, I actually... When I did Whitney Simmons' wedding, she got a lot of shit because people basically were accusing her of... Because it got featured in People, people were accusing her of getting all her vendors for free. And I really respected her because not only did she not get vendors for free, she never even asked. Like, it wasn't a question. She didn't She didn't question anything, anyone's pricing. She just paid exactly what everyone said that they were charging. And that was that. And I really respected that about her because she's a huge influencer, right? She has like 4 mm-hmm. million followers. Um I just think that it's such a... I I don't know if anything infuriates me more, actually, than like a celebrity or a professional athlete expecting me who... I'm just a single person with a small business trying to survive over here. And for you to ask me to literally basically pay for your wedding. That's what you're asking me to do. Pay right. for your wedding with my time and my money. I mean, I, I just... You still have to pay your employees and right. for products and whatever else. It's crazy. It's crazy. And at the end of the day, it's not even like the amount that you would be charging them isn't even a blip. The, exactly. On the map for them. Absolutely. A million dollars to them if they were to have a million dollar wedding. Like we were just saying, as far as what should go back to the community, a million dollars for them is not even. Is that no. one? Is that one person? That's like 0.5% of. Fifty million? <sighs> no. <laughs> no. Well, he's one percent of fifty million is that five five million? No. Okay, so he's making. Let's just say we're not talking about Travis Kelsey, but let's, let's just say we are. Um, he's making fourteen million a year, so ten percent would be one point five million of that. Okay. But okay. still, he's making that every year. He's making. Um, I want to say it was like twenty million 
from Pfizer, something like that. Okay, and I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna point this out also really quick. Um, on top of all of those things, it's not like he just has that money sitting in cash on his bed. Like he has probably a high yield savings account that at least some of it goes into, which means just on interest alone, he's probably making five million dollars a year. Right. So again, for you to be making that a year and then ask anyone to provide anything for free in the hopes that they may or may not get published somewhere. Just because you don't want to pay. Yeah. For whatever reason. I don't get that at all. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. But um, it puts you in the position of saying, because you have a potential offer of a celebrity mm -hmm. who wants you to work for free. So Mm -hmm. you have the potential of getting in that in front of people, in front Mm -hmm. of other celebrities. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do? And call their bluff and say no, know. or are you gonna say, <laughs> "I don't know, you little bitch." Exactly. I'm like such a person who works off of principle, and too probably too often, like yeah, to my detriment. And I, am I like, no, just on principle, I won't do that. No, fuck you. Um. So, but I also can very much like you know see the value in in finding value in things other than. Yeah, money's not the only currency. Exactly. So I don't, I really don't know what I'll do. I think a lot of it just depends, you know? I mean, I, th- I think if you're just expecting to get your whole wedding for free, like florals and rental, those are hard costs. That's not just time. You know, when you when you ask video or photo or someone to donate their services, what you're asking them to donate for the most part is time. Um, unless they right. have to travel and they're paying hard costs. It's film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or film or, you know, the other products for sure. But but for the most part, it's time. Whereas mm-hmm. for me as a designer, it's not just my time. It's like my team's time. It's all of our... So it's all those hours that are going into it. Plus it's florals and rentals and installations and builds and lighting and everything. I mean, those are all hard costs. So I think right. if you had a budget for that... I think like if Taylor Swift came to me and said, I have a budget for the look of my wedding. I would just like you to donate your time and services. <laughs> crazy. Taylor I would, be, I that, would, but, I would yeah. say, yes. <laughs> I would say, <laughs> on principle, I want you to know I think this is fucked up. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> I will sell my soul and be your bitch. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, let's get down to business. Let's do it. Yeah, this is a good segue into marketing. So we are going to be doing a two-part podcast series about branding and marketing. And today we're going to be talking about what it looks like to build a business brand. And then in our next episode, we will talk about what it looks like to build a personal brand. And different personalities may fit a business brand better, whereas different personalities may fit a personal brand better. So Let's start off by just talking about how much the marketing landscape has changed in the last, let's say, decade. Well, yeah, and I, and um, and also t- probably talk about the the difference between personal and business brand because even when you and I were talking about these episodes leading up to this, even we had kind of differing opinions on what those looked like, and I think that that's probably a good place to start because I think 
so many people get confused as to how they should be marketing their businesses, whether they should make it like a super personal thing or they should make it more disconnected. What do you think is like your opinion? What do you think the difference between like a personal brand versus a business brand would be? So when you brought up personal brand versus business brand, I was like, well, I don't think anyone should do a business brand because everyone needs to see your face these days. No one cares about a brand, a faceless brand. It's boring. It doesn't capture attention. People people are so inundated. And this isn't my final opinion right now, but this is this was my initial response to Amanda. People are so inundated with marketing that that is why you have to be showing your face now because otherwise you're forgettable. Like what's memorable about your brand? There's a million florists, there's a million planners, there's a million clothing brands, shoes, shoes brands, shoes <laughs> brands. Whatever, whatever it is, there's so many of them. And so at the time I thought of a personal brand as a brand where there is a face that people connect with that brand. And a business brand at the time I was thinking was more like a brand, a faceless brand, like Coca-Cola to make it easy example. But Manda, you shared kind of that you were more like, you were thinking more like influencer versus business. Yeah. I think initially when we were going through what we wanted these episodes to be about, I was like, well, I feel like I don't know if I can talk to a personal brand because I'm not an influencer. Like, I don't, I think a personal brand is something where everything is about like you and your opinions and you, and how you wear it or how you work out or whatever. It's like very, very, very connected and it's all about you. Whereas a business brand is essentially, you know, separate from you, where my example was for me, May & Co. Creative to me is is a business brand. Um, whereas May & Co. Monthly is more, more of a personal brand, but still not to the level of, say, uh, an influencer. Like, yeah. And for, for context, May & Co. Creative is Amanda's wedding event planning company and May & Co. Monthly is her education company for wedding vendors. Right. So... We kind of settled, (laughs) it took this discussion to really work it out, but we kind of settled on, okay, yes, personal brands do really well. They can look like influencers. They can look like a brand that has a face connected to what they're selling, but it doesn't mean that a business brand can't be successful right now. So we kind of worked out like, how can a business brand be successful? And what we realized was there just needs to be a unique trait or what we kind of put words to is that there just needs to be a unique mission, a unique facet of the business that makes it memorable. And basically, when, you, when you're building a personal brand around you, your beliefs, what you create, your face, it's an easy way to become a memorable brand, but it's not the only way. Yeah, I think by default, it's easier because, I mean, we're all different people. We look different. We sound different. Um, You know, the way we voice our opinions is different. And so by default, if you can connect yourself to your brand, that will make it stand out because there's only one of you. But I don't think everyone is as confident in being the face of their brand. I don't think everyone is as comfortable. And quite frankly, if you're not comfortable, I think that shines through too. And I think you have to be careful of that. If you're like... I don't want to say an awkward person because I think awkward people are funny as shit. If you're an awkward person, I think you should have a personal brand. You're an awkward person, man. I want to have a podcast with you. (laughs) Absolutely. You will be a guest on our next podcast. Hit me up. Um, I... 
Yeah, I, I think though, I think a lot of people, and actually to your point, with florists specifically, and probably with planners, right? You teach mostly florists, and I teach mostly planners, and um, they oftentimes are behind the scenes more than anything in their career paths. And so, to basically say, like, you have to be showing your face, you have to make you know your opinions known, you have to put your voice into it. It really stresses people out, I think. And I think there's such an art to being able to have a successful personal brand too. So there's like a huge art to both of those. If you have a if you're going the business brown route, you have to have such a strong product and such a strong business message and such a niche that it like stands out in a sea of whatever other products are out there. And then if you have a personal brand and you're deciding to like make your face the niche essentially mm-hmm. you also have to be really smart about how you're doing that i mean you have to make sure that your face aligns with your brand that your voice aligns with your brand and i think that gets really tricky also because you know for me for instance um i own and run a luxury event planning company I'm not, I don't necessarily live a luxury lifestyle. And so to make my face, like the face and opinion and all these things of my business, it's a really tricky, it's, it's, it's like a tightrope that I'm walking on all the time. I mean, it, right. it's really hard in a van. <laughs> I yeah, I live in I live out of a van three months out of the year and <laughs> Johnny does not like to spend. I just got him up to like two hundred dollars a night for a hotel. So <laughs> your girl over here is not buying Chanel bags, but that's my ideal client. And that's those are the type of weddings I produce because to me, like my business can be completely separate from who I am and I can still run a really successful business. Right. Um that being said, I totally grew main co creative as a personal brand, I would say almost first. So all that said, and again, we'll get into that more, I think in part two of this podcast series, but um, let's kind of dive into like a business brand. So if, if you are feeling uncomfortable with showing your face or being the face of your brand or, you know, talking constantly on social media or whatever you need to do... Um, what do you think? What are what are some really important things you think as far as deciding to dive into more have like going business branding rather than personal branding? Well, I want to say one thing really quick um, in relation to this, which is if you have like this little spark of desire to be the face of your business, but you just feel really ill-equipped and uncomfortable, it doesn't mean don't do it. It means practice. It means take a public speaking course online. You don't even have to go anywhere anymore. Um, Take lots of speaking classes, take communication classes, practice, you know, recording yourself. Like just because you're uncomfortable, it doesn't mean it's not for you. I don't know many people who are super comfortable with it at first. Um, So I just want to say that's not, I don't think that is the only, that's indicative of whether or not you should do it. If there's something in you that's like, I wish I could do this, you can Just so you know, you just got to practice. (laughs) And there's some part of you or if it, but if you are more like, I have no desire to do this at all, or if you want to sell your business, if you're building it to sell it, something like that, then definitely build a business brand if that's what you're more interested in. So that said, I've been kind of against business brands for a while until we really started hashing this out because I do a lot of business coaching and a lot of the people who come to me who aren't getting a lot of business, 
they don't show their face. And I go look at their website. I go look at their Instagram. It's very forgettable. It's just very, very forgettable. And I think you need to show your face. But once we had this conversation, I realized, no, it's just a little bit more challenging to find that unique niche and to understand how to shout it from the mountaintops, shout shout it from the rooftops, whatever tops you're standing on. Um, what makes you different? Like people get stuck. They don't really understand what makes them different. So you can't just post a picture of a flower every day or a picture of an arrangement every day, never show your face and expect your business to take off. It's boring. Let's be real. Same with wedding planning. You can't just show a picture of an okay tablescape. If it's like mind blowing, yes, that's memorable. But an, an average wedding you're getting, you can't just post a photo of a table like that every day and expect anyone to hire you or to remember you. Right. So I think the number one thing you really need to do when you're building a business brand is to identify what is it that makes you unique. Yeah. And I think like we were saying, this is such an important topic because the world around marketing is evolving and it's ever changing and I think we're in, you know, a day and age that's completely different than ever before with all of our social media and I mean just the way marketing happens now is so so different. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're wanting to create a business-based brand, I guess, um then your business has to like really really it just I think it has to work harder like we were saying. It just mm-hmm. y- you have to make sure that your whatever you're offering is really, really, really standing out because you now don't have um, the uniqueness that is you to essentially sell your product. Your product mm-hmm. has to sell itself. And a couple of the brands that we were talking about that I think have done a really good job of this, <laughs> for some reason, um, I could only come up with workout clothing brands. I tried to think of other ones. Your other hobby. It's your only other <laughs> hobby besides business. <laughs> I don't mean only other. I just mean it's your other. It's the other um, side of you. Okay. <laughs> there's business, and there's working out. <laughs> um, okay, so um, you're not completely wrong. The <laughs> brands, but I was literally just gonna be like, oh wait, no, there's this energy drink, but it's literally like a workout energy drink. <laughs> okay, but truly, oh, all right, so. Here's what's so interesting about this. So there's a brand called Viore, and I was talking about that one because it's my favorite workout clothes. They you should sponsor us, Viore. Um, they have the most incredible workout clothes. They're like buttery soft. They're they're incredible to me. And I was like, they didn't have a face when they launched, but it. But honestly, their product to me stands so far beyond other products with like the texture and their customer service. Um, and everything that I was like, oh, well, that's why That's why as a business, they didn't need a face behind it. They had such an incredible product mm-hmm. um, and probably a lot of money to put into that product. And then there's another one that we were talking about, uh, the brand Girlfriend, which I believe all of their products are from recycled materials. And they were one of the first workout brands that like really... Um, I think put a really big emphasis on like diversity and um, making workout clothing for like plus size individuals and such. Like they were just really, really, really inclusive. And again, their products stood out because they were doing something different. They were creating something different. Um, 
And so it made their product stand out so, so much. And then they didn't need a face behind it. I was going to say... Oh, another one. Sorry, I'm going to give one more example. Yeti was the other one that I gave, which is like a huge brand. But they've done such a good job of essentially like separating themselves as the most badass, I don't know. Yeah, it's the quality. It's the look. Yeah. They they gave an object that's considered to be very boring a style and made it exciting. Whereas before, like no one cared what a cooler looked like until suddenly someone was like, ooh, but I could buy that cooler. That's a cool looking cooler. (laughs) Never never (laughs) thought there were any cool looking coolers out out there. (laughs) Now there's more, obviously. People are following that trend. But I think that like, I think listening to those brands and your description of them, what stands out to me is that they they don't just get on social media once every month and say, our product's really smooth and silky or, yeah. um, you know, we create products for all different body types. Like they don't just say it every now and then. It is their messaging. Like yeah. they are saying it constantly. And I feel like so many people who own smaller brands, let's just say it's a florist or a planner, they don't have that much clarity mm-hmm. in what they're and at the end really it's a it's a mission. It's like what is your brand mission? What are your brand values? And they don't have clarity on that. And so they have nothing to drive home every single day. They don't right. know what to say. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Exactly. And I think that's where again I don't I think you used to, we were saying this earlier, you used to be able to like launch a product and not as many people own their own businesses. On, I mean, 10 years ago, right? It was much more unheard of, I would say. Not unheard of, but it was more rare to just like up and start your own business. And again, now in the day and age of TikTok and Instagram and influencers and all these like new opportunities presenting themselves to the world and people being able to be business owners easier than they thought they could 30 years ago... Um, you now you can't just like launch a random business and then ha- get customers. customers. Yeah. It just doesn't happen like that. So you, like, you're in a sea of voices now. Yeah. 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 So you have to have like such a strong brand, especially if you're going to make it just business. So that said, in the creative industry, if you're a florist or if you're a planner and you don't want to show your face or you don't want to be the face, you don't want to have a personal brand essentially connected to your business. Um, like what are some things that would really make a florist stand out? If a florist did not want to show their face, what would you tell that like just was against it? Just was like, no, I'm not having a personal brand or had other goals. What would you tell them to do? Well, I think they really have to stand for something. So they really need to identify like, what's my mission in my business and what are my values in my business? So I think you could choose one of those or both of them. So let's say a mission is to contribute to something in their city every month and do mm-hmm. like like. A, a good friend of mine, Siobhan from Loam, shout out to, you can find her at We Are Loam, but <laughs> she um, does a floral workshop. I don't know if it's once a month or once every other month with a community of um, children, young adults who have Down syndrome, and she does a flower workshop with them and like donates the flowers, guides it, like, you know, lights up their life with something different. And to me, that makes her stand out because she recruits volunteers. She's adding uh, value into the floral community in the, in the town where people are getting involved. So it could be a mission. It could be values. So it could be, I only 
provide flowers that are locally grown because I don't want to contribute to whatever, having things shipped across the, the United or across the world. Um, I only provide flowers that are domestically grown if they're not pr- available locally. So florists can have, whether it's sustainability values, missions in their community, maybe they're an artist, maybe they were studied sculpture before. And so what really makes them stand out is that their own unique perspective on floral design So their designs are different because they have a background in art and sculpture. And so they really need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And so the bottom line is you identify what it is, but then you don't stop there. You have to be talking about it constantly. What are some things you would think of for planners? Well, I was going to say even... So even if it wasn't like a specific... I mean, it still goes along with what you're saying, but even if it wasn't a specific um, message, but even if it was a specific aesthetic that people had. I honestly feel like when I started my business, um, I became really known, I became really known for like blush, just like monochromatic, just blush everywhere. And, um, and I mean, that was brought on by the fact that honestly, I just really love that color. And I was really inspired by like anything that was that color. So naturally, most of my designs ended up having a lot of blush. And over time, it became so known that that's that was like my aesthetic that people could see my photos and not even see my name and they'd be like that looks like me and co mm-hmm. did it um and so i think if you have a really strong or unique aesthetic like if a florist was said i only design in well and there are florists who do this and it's probably um you know it's more common now but I only design in dried florals or I only design using white florals. I mean, and I'm not and obviously that would significantly drop your clientele, your potential clientele pool, but that's still something to me that makes you stand apart from the rest. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think knowing that more than anything, if if you're not going to feel comfortable creating a personal brand or connecting yourself to your business, how are you going to make your business stand out? And is it going to be a message? Is it going to be an aesthetic? What about your business is going to make people consistently see your content or hear your content and know that it's you? And if, if, if you don't have that, then it's going to be really hard, I think, to successfully brand your business. Right. It's kind of like when you have to have a con- something consistent that people can connect with and they only people only really feel connection to something that's somewhat polarizing. Mm-hmm. So you can't like the more broad and general you try to reach, like the more general of an audience you're trying to reach, so you're just posting things for everyone all the time. There's not going to be consistency there or same with messaging if you're really saying nothing. Yep because you don't want to lose anyone. Yep. You're not also you're also not going to gain anyone. Yep. So I feel like yeah, people try to play it too safe. They have a message they might know or they have a vision, but they don't want to lose potential clients. And I really love what you said about the aesthetics because that's actually I just <laughs> shameless plug, I just released a portfolio <laughs> class for florists and the whole base basis of it is you have to have a consistent portfolio. And what I tell them is, you know, with floral, it's kind of hard to just, like you're saying, just do white flowers or just do blush. But what I really say is like, have a consistent backdrop, have consistent lighting, have a consistent design style that you do over and over and over because people just, 
florists will just post pictures they get back from photographers and they're all different, different filters, different flowers, different client styles. It's just all over the place. And if you, if there's also not a face to that brand, it gives other people nothing to connect with because there's nothing there that's consistent. And so if you're a florist, yeah, that's another thing I would say I would agree is if it's messaging, your mission, your values or aesthetics for Color Theory Design Co., which people can now see it at list.lidl on Instagram, my thing was just a dark grayish green backdrop. And my audience blew up when I started using that because it was mm-hmm. super consistent. People either liked it or they didn't. Yeah. Um, and that's essentially what grew my business was that wall. Yeah. <laughs> and, my, yeah. and my design abilities, but really it was the wall. <laughs> No, that's what I'm saying. Like when I honestly, I think when May and Co really started blowing up, this was a while back, but it was when you can go back on my feed and there's consistent like two years where just everything is blush hued. Like every, even my hair was blush at one point. Like it, it really just, um, and then, you know, since then I've, it's grown into more of like a very editorial vibe, which as a, in my opinion, as a planner or a stylist, um, I think I have a much more like vibey understated luxury than other luxury planners, which is mm-hmm. where how I, I feel like it really um, stands out. But if I hadn't spent all of that time that I did on creating like a very specific niche and a very specific tone brand and creating my brand messaging and then like carrying that through literally every single thing I did then I I wouldn't be to the point I am now where I don't, you know, I don't post as consistently, but I still, I think people still know my work right. fairly easily when they see it. Um, and I will say, on top of that, if you have, if you're deciding to like dive into business brand specifically, and you don't, again, you don't want to have a personal brand, um, you can still harness the power of a personality. So a lot of these brands that, we've even referenced, they will collaborate with a big personality. And I don't think that that doesn't apply as a florist or a planner. If, you know, if I'm a planner and I don't want to show my face and I just want to create a really strong business, if I were to collaborate with an influencer or or even just someone who did have more of a personal brand connected to them that aligned with my brand, you're still going to grow your audience doing that too. You know, I think, um, who, what was one of the other companies? Oh, (laughs) another workout company um, that we were talking about. Well, we talked about Gymshark or Alani New is another one too. I, I know I keep making references to Whitney Simmons. She's one of the only influencers I follow. But like Alani New doesn't have a face behind their like energy drinks and protein powders and stuff. They don't have a face behind it, but then they collaborate with these huge personalities and it grows their audience. So mm-hmm. I still think you can bring per- a personal touch to a business brand now with how marketing is in this day and age. Yeah, I agree. And with florists, I've seen florists do this where the owner, I never see them on Instagram, but they happen to have this one employee that just loves to be in front of the camera (laughs) and is the client-facing person, is the one who meets with clients, is the one who does reach-outs to businesses if they want new corporate accounts. 
um, and is the one who does all the design videos for Instagram. So yeah, it doesn't have to be you. And I've, I've told this to florists before who do not want to show their faces, but they need to build relationships in their community to get more business yeah. with planners and such. Like you need to find someone who likes talking to people then because sometimes they tell me that and I'm like, you're right. And I'll tell them that like, you shouldn't be doing that part. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. There's I'm uncomfortable right that. now. <laughs> Look alive. No, some people just like aren't like, they don't feel comfortable having conversations with people they don't, they don't know very well. Yeah. And sometimes they don't really want to break through that and that's fine. So yeah, I think that's a really good idea to have, find a different face. Yeah, totally. I think, um, yeah. Uh, I'm excited for us to dive into then if you are one of those people who wants to have a personal brand or even wants to figure out how you can incorporate having more of a personal brand so that you can stand out more. Um, I'm really excited for our next episode where we're going to be diving into that a little bit. Yeah, that's going to be good. It's going to be really good. To end I would this say, way... A what? Wait, go ahead. You would say what? what? I would say the very last thing on this topic before we close up this episode is from there, once you identify what is making you unique, whether it's, I think visual, you know, we're speaking to creatives. So if you have a creative product, I think it should be consistent, aesthetically consistent, no matter what, like there should be consistency there in your product. But if there is a, a unique message, vision, mission, how can you communicate this visually on social media? Because social media is a huge platform. And so the next piece of this puzzle is, okay, how do you talk about this consistently? How do you incorporate this quality about your business consistently using reels, using video, using photos? And so I really think that that's something we don't necessarily have the answer to because everyone's product is different but and everyone's services are different, but you really need to get creative with how can you share this with the world in a, just in a visual way, in a messaging way on social media and on your website. And I really think people need to focus on how do they shine? Like what do they enjoy doing? Do they enjoy doing like a before and after situation? Do they enjoy doing a time-lapse situation? You, you don't need to constantly change it. Do, being super consistent with how you share on social media is important. Yeah. I guess I just don't really have anything to add to that. I just agree. That sounds good to me. (laughs) Okay, good. Yeah. (laughs) I did want to say one thing before we close up. I keep doing this. (laughs) But something funny came to mind. A little juicy gossip um, about you. (laughs) Love juicy gossip. Not that you told me, that someone else told me before I knew you. Okay. (laughs) And it goes back to how much you had branded yourself. I don't know if it was on purpose or just by chance as someone who did this blush and you had the blush in your hair. You had big curly hair. You have big hair. Amanda has lots of hair. I'm very jealous. (laughs) (laughs) But you had an aesthetic and you still do, but it's changed. Mm. And I just moved to Portland and I didn't know anything about you. And I think you were Sue Blue, right? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if you don't want me, if you don't want people to know that. But um, I had met a few people who were like, "Have you met Amanda from Sue Blue? Like you would love her. She's so awesome." Blah 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 blah. blah. And then I met a few people that were like, "Oh yeah, that's Amanda. Mm, yeah, her style's not really my thing." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but my point is, if you're doing it right, 
you have to have people not liking it. Yeah. A thousand percent. You can't. And I had the same thing. I had people like literally comment on Instagram, ew, barf, boring. Oh my gosh. (laughs) They weren't like in the industry. They were just random people. But regardless, they thought it was boring because I because I don't tend to use a lot of ingredients. I tend to use just like a one type of flour and one design or whatever. Right. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But the point is, if you are getting comments like that or feedback like that, it's basically a sign you're on the right track and you're doing your business branding right. Like if you need to be ruffling some feathers, you need to be bothering people. You need to be making them say like, gross. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because that means people are liking it too. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. That's exactly what um, Anish is. And I think understanding that um, depending on how specific your niche is or how unique it is or how different it is, you may or may not really narrow down your audience. Um, I was doing a coaching call a while back with someone who basically did a whole rebrand. And their whole rebrand was like neon colors. It was like really bright. I mean, they went from being very neutral to being like purple, yellow, pink. Um, It was just really bright. And there was like confetti and it was bright. And... I was like, look, if this is what inspires you, if you see this, if you see these colors and you see like this style and you're totally inspired by it and it fuels your passion and this is what you want to design and if every single client came to you and was like, I want everything to be pink and purple and yellow and you were pumped on it every time, then fuck yeah, that that should be your brand. Just know though that you are not appealing to the masses here. You are appealing to a very specific client and therefore who you're attracting will be narrowed down. The good thing is, depending on how strong your branding is, ideally every single person who reaches out to you is going to want that exact thing, which is why you have to be fairly careful about that. But that's, you know, when I decided to go all blush and I was, I would say pretty boho at the time too, that is what inspired me. And that's what I loved. And and I wanted every single client to want that exact aesthetic, you know, Mm -hmm. that's changed over the years. And what I want is different now. Um, But I was definitely okay turning people off. That being said, I also chose a color that I knew would not be offensive to the masses. Like, I mean, I still think you should be selective and smart about what you decide your niche is. I mean, that's that's just good business, right? You have to decide like what inspires you and also won't turn every single you don't want to turn off 90%. Just like right. Well, there's like there's a lot in play here. Like if you if you, let's say you sh- you sold bed sheets, every mm. like literally everyone needs bed sheets, and you don't have to be local to ship them. You could be like, we only sell yellow bed sheets because you would still be selling to a big enough audience that there would be enough people to buy yellow bed sheets exactly. from you. But if you're a florist or a planner, your audience is just naturally a lot more limited. So if you're a florist who says I only do yellow flower arrangements, you're screwed. Don't do that. <laughs> No one wants that. (laughs) Yeah, no, 100%. I I mean, absolutely. I mean, if you're a planner who says, I will only do barn weddings, actually, you might do pretty well. Actually, I think it depends on where you are. But yeah, maybe not in Miami, but probably in Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah, you'd you'd kill it. Um, Yeah, so, and obviously, I think that's probably like a whole other conversation we've done off topic at this point but we're nerding nerding out over here yeah make sure you have a niche 
All right. right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Yeah. Tune in uh, to the next... Go click over to the next podcast. Click, like, subscribe. Tap. Love us. Tap. Review. Follow. Hug. Hug. Virtually. Until next time. Keep being candid and creative. Is that our slow... Is that our tagline now? It is now. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Candid Creative Podcast. If you haven't remotely found amusement in what you've heard today, go ahead and show us a little love with that five-star rating and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you so desire. Continue following our journey through all of the modern medias, including Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just search for at Candid Creative Podcast. And last but not least, if you're dying to hear our thoughts on any hot topics, unpopular opinions, or maybe you just need some good, solid, no BS advice on what to do in your day-to-day, head over to www.candidcreativepodcast.com and submit all of your deepest and darkest secrets to us. All submissions are always anonymous. Thanks again, you guys. And as always, keep it candid, creatives. <laughs>